0: Dave. Hello, Ollie. Happy Hello. Easter. Happy Easter. Welcome to Sustainable 12, a filthy, dirty dozen of environment podcasts.
1: Yep, thank you very much. Uh, you are not where you usually are. Where are you?
0: No, I am in lovely Cambridgeshire, which is where my mum and dad live, and it's Easter, so I'm here stuffing my face with free food.
1: Very good. I'm in the People's Republic of North Somerset, as per usual. Uh, welcome, listener, to our podcast about the environment, why it's all so difficult, why nothing makes sense, and why there's so much guff around. We work for environmental charities, but this is very much our own blether. So, for heaven's sake, if you've got any problem at all with any of this, yeah, keep it to yourself, eh? It's no one else's problem. <laughs> um, what have we got coming up this week, are huh?
0: Uh, Well we said last week that we were going to have an election focus And my god we are So we'll be dissecting the leaders debate that happened We'll also have some regular features in there Some good old sustainable courtesy of uh, the Obama administration A filthy great Inhofe of the week Who is one of our very own government's finest ministers um, And some good news about butterflies
1: Oh, excellent stuff. Very good. Well, let us crack on, shall we? I don't, what's, that, what's that noise I can hear in the background?
0: Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I came to lovely rural Cambridgeshire expecting total silence and, and for once no background noise in this podcast. However, our next-door neighbour's daughter is getting married and is having a massive party, so there is thumping bass. What somebody once referred to as young people's bouncy music will be going on in the background throughout. Sorry about that. Election news. So, yes, in case you hadn't noticed, there is an election coming up, something like 35 days away or whatever. In the UK. In the UK, yeah. You'd be yeah. forgiven for thinking it's the only thing happening in the world. But we are interested in it. It does matter. And I, I will say this about our podcast. Uh, we are going to put to the election very front and centre of our, of our offer to the listening population. Are
1: Are we going to have an election? Yes, we are. Are we going to talk about it on this podcast? Yes, we are. And I say to you that we are going to have the best set of election analysis that this country has ever seen. Well, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I I believe in a in a in a better Britain, uh, a better Britain populated by better podcasts. Oh God, give over! It was <laughs> I awful. I should we, I should could... we carry on? Oh, I
1: <laughs> this is what it's going to be like for the like next thirty-four days or whatever.
0: Oh, it's going to be worse. We should, oh. we should just properly explain what it was in case somebody uh, doesn't know that there, there was a telly debate. Two hours of seven leaders or rather leaders of seven political parties in the UK standing in front of podiums that look incredibly budget. I thought this five years ago. I thought the TV sets were crass and sort of 70s style then. I thought, well, they've only done it, you know, the first time they've done it. They'll ramp it up for this time. And it looked like... um like one of those kind of rubbish game shows. It was yeah. it was horrific. Anyway, they all, they all stand there and answer questions or don't answer questions and have a good old ding-dong. And then lots of people say, uh, well, we won. And the others go, no, we won.
1: Pretty much it, was it. So what were the main things they talked about then?
0: Well, uh, climate change, uh, the need to keep fossil fuels in the ground, nature loss. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Oh. No, that was in Rare. my head. No, they talked yeah. about immigration. Nigel yeah. Farage said something unbelievable about people with HIV not being allowed to come into the country. Um, mm-hmm. That was edifying. They talked about the NHS uh, mm-hmm. and they talked about the economy and they talked about sort of young people and and housing. Sort of.
1: Did like they mention hours. so? Did they mention anything about the environment, like? At any of them, I mean, so one of them, Natalie Bennett, who uh, uh, people can, of course, listen back to episode seven to hear what we thought of Natalie Bennett. so
0: good at this. You're uh, nice it. You were just doing that because you knew that I'd be impressed, weren't you? Yeah,
1: I am rather. Yeah, episode seven, <laughs> episode fans. I hope that's right now. Anyway, in episode seven, we, we uh, covered Natalie Bennett having given a bit of a disastrous interview, but I thought she was all right. But she mentioned climate change, didn't she?
0: Yeah, she did. Yeah, not not that I noticed. So I mean? was I was officially tweeting for the organisation I work for, covering this this uh, debate, and um, was so busy tweeting that managed to miss the leader of the Green Party talking about the environment. So then proudly tweeted that in the seven opening statements, not one of them had to mention the environment. Um, and got rightly shouted down for that. I am good at my job. <laughs> That's right up that you had one job. But yeah, she she mentioned it, you know, she she uh, she talked about it in terms of climate change being the greatest threat we face. Oh yeah, and, did, and did, when and she
1: thought. mentioned it, did all the other political leaders, you know, nod sagely and they all bounced off that and said, yes, we agree and they all tried to out-compete each other? Is that what happened?
0: No, it was miserable and desperate and ridiculous. I genuinely, genuinely thought that... Um, at least uh, either Nick Clegg, the leader of the Liberal Democrats or Ed Miliband, the leader of the Labour Party, would mention, would say the words climate change at some point Hmm. in the two-hour debate. I knew, you you know, we knew it wasn't going to be one of the top questions. Um, There were only going to be four questions and clearly you're going to kind of do the kind of the top issues that poll among the public and that is sadly those ones we mentioned earlier. So we knew it wasn't going to be right up there, but I thought they might bring themselves to mention it, mm. and they didn't. It was nothing. Guff all. There was, however, a heckle. There was, yes. Oscar. So the yeah, the, the uh,
1: rather uh, vociferous, crusty lady who stood up towards the end. <laughs> and She wasn't crusty. She was, was a bit she? crusty,
0: was she? Go on, what do you mean? Well, you
1: know, Krusty's like the people who sit around outside the clock tower on Glastonbury High Street with dogs on strings, that sort of person. I thought she was one of them. Um, No offence if you're listening, Krusty lady. Uh, Fair play, because at least you mentioned fracking, which is something that nobody else mentioned. Listen back to episode two, episode fans, to hear what we think about fracking. (sighs) So two hours long and nothing about the environment or climate change. At all. So, what does that tell us? And does it tell us right? Okay, I'll ask you. Right? Does it tell us a uh, politicians do not care about the environment? Yes. Okay. Does it tell us b that the public don't care about the environment? No. So, therefore, what if the public care about the environment? Why don't politicians talk about it? If if what's going on? What's happening?
0: Because they don't. They don't volunteer that they care about it more than other things. Mm. You if you if you're a polling company and you and you go up to people in the street and say, do you think climate change is bad? The vast majority of people say yes. And then when you say, do you think humans are causing climate change? The vast majority of people say yes. And when you say, do you think, for instance, we should have more renewable energy and less fossil fuels? uh, And it's all very urgent. People say yes in in the majority. But if you go up to people in the street and say, what are the biggest issues facing the country or what are the biggest issues facing you and your family? Which are the two sort of constant um bits of polling that have been done for years and years and years uh it never features in the top three I mean yeah. for seldom features in the top ten it's it, when things happen so in America, when Hurricane Sandy happened, then the sort of there was a massive spike in unprompted public uh concern about climate change, and likewise here with the the flooding last year. Mm. Um, there's a huge spike in people saying, "Actually, shit, this environment stuff's really bad, and it's having an impact on our lives here and now." But
1: so then, so what should politicians do? Should they? Yeah, you know, we know that uh, a lot of those leaders, not just Natalie Bennett, a lot of them do think climate change is a massive problem. Um, you know, liberal Democrats say they're a Green Party, and they're going to have five green laws, aren't they, Ollie? And um, <laughs> apparently, yeah. apparently, yeah. And Ed Miliband used to be Climate Change Secretary and was, you know, got, got the UK's laws on climate change through. So we know they actually think it. So therefore, it, what you say is they should just start talking about it. And if they start talking about this thing that they think, then the people will start thinking the thing that they think is important is important. And then the politicians will be able to carry on talking about the thing that they actually think is important, but they're not talking about it because they don't think the public thinks it's important, even though the public does think it's important.
0: Ah, oh, what was the question? Oh, God, what am I saying? I don't know. I, they Clearly, they should demonstrate leadership. Actual leadership is saying this is important, not because it's what you think is important, because it is empirically important. We have facts and evidence to back up that this is important, and that's why we're going to lead on the issue. That's what I want politicians to do. Instead, they go, what can we say that... Most people who are kind of inclined to vote for us are likely to agree with and therefore vote for us, and that's that's the nature of democracy, I guess.
1: So, uh, let me ask you a question then. So, the election is what just over a month away now, isn't it? Uh, so we haven't had much on the environment so far. Is that how it's going to stay? How's it going to sort of pan out? A politician's going to have like an environment section, an environment day? Are they going to just get it out of the way,
0: or as what's going to happen? Uh, if they are going to have an environment day, they should. Bloody tell us about it. <laughs> we should, we can, we can make some noise around it. I I doubt it. I doubt it. But to w- give them their due, we should mention this Labour Party this weekend made an announcement about uh, what they would do were they, uh, should they be in power this coming December when there is a big conference, a climate change conference happening in Paris. And uh, they are saying that they would stretch the ambition of the government's climate reduction uh, emissions reduction target which sexy. is sexy se- sexy yeah. promise yeah and to be fair i just bored myself quite a lot saying that sentence and i can imagine therefore the politicians think mm, probably not going to go down that well on the doorstep might not make this a central plank of our election kind Of offer,
1: so what are they doing it for then? Like, if so, what you said to me before was that the stuff in the leaders' debates so was basically determined by what politicians think people actually want to hear, right? Regardless of whether they do or not. So, then why do they bother saying anything else at all? Why do they bother saying anything about like climate change and stuff like that? Why don't they just only talk about immigration and Romanians with diseases and things like that? Like-
0: well, because there are, there are, there obviously are small groups of people like you and me who care what. People, what the parties are doing on these issues, and so they sort of you, you get the feeling they're kind of throwing out scraps just to keep people like us interested. I, I was genuinely surprised that, particularly Nick, Nick Clegg, didn't say anything about the environment because they have made it a really central part of of their election pitch. Because their their members, their supporters, traditionally have cared a lot about the environment, so the party needs to be talking about the things its own supporters care about. And lots of their emails that have been going out have been majoring on it. They've been making these announcements, as you said, about having five green laws. And one of the things they're very proud of is their record of of kind of keeping the Tories to climate um, commitments, environment commitments and stopping them tearing it all up, in, in their words. Um, so I was really surprised that he didn't say that. And I wonder I genuinely don't know why he didn't.
1: He's probably just started to go a bit odd, hasn't he, from having been locked in a cupboard for
0: five years. and maybe go a bit weird. <laughs> Sustainer Babble of the Week. Yes, right, back from the abyss of talking about the election and onto more familiar ground of sustainable Babble of the Week. This is where we have a look at the guff spoken in the name of going green and proper shred it. Dave, what have you got? This is the thing.
1: You know how the planet is stuffed, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Sa- yes, sadly, yes, <laughs> properly stuffed. And you know how humans are causing it through being greedy gits, right? Mm. Well, this is the single biggest example of exactly why we're so stuffed. It's the thing in the whole of the environment world that makes me the most cross, and it's the fact it's drilling for oil in the Arctic. Genuinely flabbergastingly stupid. The only reason we can do it in a lot of cases is because we're melting the ice, which we're melting through burning lots of oil, so that allows us to go in and get loads more oil out, and I find the whole thing incredibly monstrously horrific. What's happened is that Shell Oil Company uh, were wanting to drill for ages in the Arctic and spent a great deal of money doing so, and after loads of protests, including by Greenpeace and others, and it being an increasingly controversial issue, particularly in the States and the government there coming under a lot of pressure, and the collapse in the oil Price, which we talked about back in episode five, uh, Four. Are you sure? Four. Oh. four um, <laughs> episode four, um, they pulled out. So they, they'd they spent loads of money, and, and Shell pulled out and said, you know what, okay, for now, we're not going to go into the Arctic. And what has happened now is that they've been given permission by uh, President of the Free World and all round hunk, Barack Obama, to go back into the Arctic. Um, and they've got, um, the green light to start exploring for oil. It's nice, isn't
0: it? It's just, yeah. so hang on. This is the guy that a few weeks ago said, no, not going to have Keystone, that big um, host pipe I called it, but you correctly uh, named it as a pipeline, pipeline. sucking out, tar sands from pristine bits of Canada uh, he said am not, not going to have that because it's important that we don't do these things and then a few weeks later he goes but you can go and shove your teeth into the oil beneath the arctic and you know I'm sure I'm sure there won't be a spill there and I'm sure if there is they're totally on top of, of what they'll do
1: well, so they have thought about this, and this is what the American Interior Secretary, a lady called Sally Jewell, um, she's really, really thought about all of the reasons why um, a spill in the Arctic would be a bad thing, and she said this.
0: We remain
1: committed to taking a thoughtful and balanced approach to oil and gas, leasing and exploration offshore Alaska.
0: So... They're committed to being thoughtful and balanced. So they promise not to be mindless and unstable. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really know what to say to that. How How can you say it's all right. We promise we're going to have a good think before we let them go in there. I find I find
1: the whole idea of drilling in the Arctic terrifying. I find the idea of a spill in the Arctic. Can you actually imagine what that would be like? I mean, you just, and this is the thing that always amazes me. I think they must have Microsoft Excel inside oil companies. I don't believe that they haven't got spreadsheets, right? And in their spreadsheets, there must be a little column that has reputational risk must be in there. Somewhere, right? Now, oil companies are not exactly all going around giving kisses to babies and getting hoisted, uh, carried shoulder high around the Olympic Stadium or stuff like that, right? They are generally not seen as a particularly nice bunch of fairies. But can you imagine what it would do to the reputation of oil companies in general? And Shell if it were them, if there was a spill in the Arctic, you get polar bears covered in oil. You got arctics you got the, the, an expanse of, you know, what color oil is?
0: Uh, yeah, well, it's sort of black, really. You know, viscous.
1: So imagine an expanse of, like, not black <laughs> and covering it in oil. It would, overnight, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things, you don't going to wish for it, but it's one of those things that would have, the media impact of that on these companies would be spectacular. I can't believe they're even countenancing it, to be honest. But I'll, don't worry, awesome. I've got a reason to be cheerful for you. Oh, good. Not that. Well, okay, there's only a three in four chance, 75%, of one or more large spills happening. Mm. In the Arctic, according to the US Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. So we could get lucky. You know, one one out of four things happen sometimes. So, you know, it could be, you know, it could happen. Maybe there won't be a big spill. So uh, cheer up, eh?
0: that's, That's not making me cheerful. Well, you've got... Three out of four?
1: Yes. It's basically considerably more likely to be one or more large spills than there isn't, according to the US government. That's Still appalling. Well, it's, what it makes particularly appalling is that it's the US government that let Shell go in there with a size nines in the first place.
0: In half of the week. So, well, thanks for that. And let's go on to some more terrible news. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> This really wasn't the this spirit <laughs> when we started this podcast. We did genuinely intend to be upbeat, but everything is so crap.
0: Oh, God. Right. So, Inhofe of the Week. Yes. Um, Inhofe of the Week. This is, in honour of the US Senator by the same name, the celebration of the biggest goon of the week, the person who's done most to wind us up with their idiocy. This week, Matthew Hancock. Okay. well, he has
1: a surname that's two body
0: parts. What else do we know about him? (laughs) He is a minister in the UK Department of Energy and Climate Change. Mm -hmm. It's very good that we have a Department of Energy and Climate Change. For now. I mean, it's mainly energy it gets ex- excited about but there is a the climate change bit that's good so the minister's in it you'd think would be well up for fixing the planet yeah well you kind of be so. doing all they could
1: you'd hope so it would be like having a department of health where the ministers in it liked giving fags to people and cake
0: <laughs> yes uh well sadly he he does like giving the equivalent of climate cake to the diabetic planet. Uh, and he has been caught this week. Well, not so much caught. It has been revealed... Now, earlier in the month, he chartered a private jet to get back from Aberdeen to London on a day when there were 16 other scheduled flights going to four different London airports. Uh, he chartered, decided none of them quite fitted the his schedule, so he chartered his own private jet to come back. And what was he doing in Aberdeen? Well, he was doing some good waffle. This would have been made cracking Sustainable in his own right, the bloody press release they put out about this. Good waffle about uh, Mexico, who he was visiting, the foreign ambassador there. Uh, Mexico and the UK working together to um, have nice climate-y words in December at this Paris conference, right? But what he was actually doing was signing a massive Trade deal, a, a billion dollar credit line uh, between the UK and Mexico for uh, getting oil out of the ground. So what? flying around in private jets to sign oil deals and being in the Ministry of Climate Change. What an in-off. Well, the bit about it I find the most flabbergasting
1: is it's not climate change minister flies to Aberdeen. I mean, that's, that's just sort of run-of-the-mill day-to-day. Thick of it style inhoff It's the fact that they go there and they say no no no, but it's all right because we were going there to, to press for a. I've got it in front of me to quote ambitious, equitable, comprehensive, and legally binding global agreement at the climate talks in Paris in December. And what they were actually doing was stitching up massive, massive trade deals to drill oil and gas. This whole thing, everything stinks. Everything sucks. What's happening? Why is everything so rubbish? It's your fault.
0: Reasons
1: to be cheerful. We've got something cheerful coming up, haven't we? we? Something actually cheerful coming up, haven't we? we? Yes, yes, yeah. we have. Yeah. We have. Go Butterflies. Uh, f-
0: what? <laughs> Butterflies. Such a hippie. <laughs> Look, you can't have one species... We were talking about this the other week in episode whatever. I'm sure it's in your head. Uh, talking about charismatic megafauna. Remember that? Got a good old klaxon for that. Um, and And... Other, less charismatic species. They're all important. It's right that we save them. The UK's most endangered butterfly is back from the brink. OK. All right. Uh-huh. OK. Now, I'm going
1: with this. So uh, tell me about it. Who is it?
0: This is actually the critically endangered high brown fritillary, and it had its best summer for 10 years last summer in 2014. Numbers rising 180% in a year, thanks, according to The Guardian, to conservation efforts. Now, doesn't that, doesn't that, if we can bring up these, you know, butterflies are delicate. Mm. They are delicate little things. They, so many things can knackle them. You know, just a bad summer can can really deplete them, um, let alone having to uh, deal with a a cocktail of pesticides and losing all of their habitat, Mm -hmm. etc. So, if our conservation efforts can be so impactful that these delicate little fritillaries, can come bouncing back. Then maybe there is hope. Maybe we can save the world. It's probably um, right. Here's what I think about the highbrow artillery. Right. Firstly, don't, don't go down into the dark place, Dave. We, no, we, promise. Hear me out.
1: <laughs> Thing one. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it, it's absolutely gorgeous. I've got like I'm looking at a picture. We'll put this on our um Twitter feed and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. It's like a close up of a fritillary. It's absolutely beautiful. It looks like a cat with wings. It's really it works of art. really, works really of art, gorgeous. I mean. So there we are. Yeah. Look there. Nice thing. Thing two Ah so it is <laughs> good. Well I had a I had a thing. Um Thing yes. two, it is Inspired. good. Well done. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> it's good that we are sorting out the high brown fritillary. But thing two, A, you remember how we were talking about global emissions not having uh, gone up and we got some stuff wrong. But one of the points we made about it in, I think it was episode nine, when we talked about that was that it's, you know, one year, one swallow does not a summer make, one butterfly does not a successful conservation programme make. So uh, saving something in one year is all very well, but it sounds like what you were saying, to b that there has been a great deal of effort being put in to save a handful of animals, right? And uh, so I guess, therefore, to c um, Keep up is it easier to save a handful of teeny tiny little animals than it is to stop entire species going out of order? That's what I reckon. Because like, if, if you know that you've got a high brown fritillary and it just lives on Butterfly Street and Butterfly Street's having its electricity cut off and all you've got to do is you've got to like put the electricity back on and then the butterflies can watch EastEnders again, right? That's quite straightforward. If you've got a high brown fritillary and it lives... <laughs> your,
0: I love your brain sometimes, it's so strange. <laughs> and
1: If you've got a high brown fritillary and it lives all over the place then you can't just solve it with one thing. Um, you know If climate change is wiping out all the hedgehogs, for example you can't like go and save all the hedgehogs one-on-one There's some big, horrible stuff going on. And you can, if you want, create a hedgehog sanctuary in the West Midlands, which is north of London, as we discussed, and fill it full (laughs) of hedgehogs. But you're still, like, you're not really saving the hedgehog. You're just stopping it absolutely being wiped out. So I guess my ultimate point is is stopping something that was very, very nearly wiped out, no longer being exactly entirely wiped out, but still very much stuffed, is it really a reason to be cheerful?
0: Uh, Well, Yes. Because Just because. Prediction time. So prediction time. Mm. (laughs) Each week we whack our crystal balls on the table, peer into them and see what's going to happen in environment world. And that means that there's always a prediction what we made the week before to see whether we got right. Isn't there, Dave? Yes, there is. And I have had
1: so much fun this week. My prediction, as keen listeners will remember, and followers of our Twitter feed will have kept up with, was that I was going to catch you out with an April Fool of such magnificent genius, that even though I told you I was going to April Fool you, you'd still fall for it, and you'd tell everyone about it. And I, look, I didn't quite get away with it but I came bloody close to getting you um, and yeah. I, I I think uh, I, I probably can't for reasons of professional confidence and also just to save your uh, Sebeku live on live on radio I think uh, I probably can't say exactly what it was I caught you out with suffice it to say you had done a thing at work about which you are slightly sensitive and I managed to rig up an April fall that got a journalist to uh, tell you there were massive implications of it and uh, you nearly fell for it you had your phone in your hands didn't you to call your boss and then you saw it
0: was April 1st and you stepped back from the brink I did think it was a stupid prediction to make because, as I said, I just wouldn't engage with you for uh, the first half of the day. And I didn't. I refused. I think you said, should we go to the pub? And I said, no, yep. not during the, the morning, I should add. We no. <laughs> we, no. we take I'd work slightly more seriously than that. Uh, and yes, I just sort of ignored you about things. But then, yes, this this journalist got in touch it was more devious than that, though. That was what was so good about it, mm. is that they didn't get in touch with me. They got in touch with you, and you, you were like, oh, I don't know. Um, try asking Ollie. He might know about this. So then it, he got in touch with me, having asked you. It was, all, it was brilliantly done. Um, but the thing that you were suggesting was I thought, were it true, quite a weird thing to do and not necessarily a sort of my heart didn't skip put it that way I just thought it was quite odd Um, and I did pick up the phone to talk it through with somebody at which point I realised before they answered I should hasten that I was being stitched up
1: okay so your turn then and the scores still stand depressingly enough after 11 editions uh, at one all Um, so Mm. what you got
0: OK, well, you know how I make really specific predictions that can't possibly come true. Yes, yeah, yeah. like
1: you'll get serenaded by somebody wearing a green T-shirt on the 19th of April uh,
0: <laughs> whilst you're on the way home from buying bread, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so I'm going, I'm going the other, other end this time. Um, I think that the manifestos from the three biggest currently biggest parties in the UK Parliament will be released this week.
1: That's, you can't could.
0: have that. Yes, I can. Why? Well, they might be released the week after. There's no There's no official timetable.
1: Well, it strikes me as a very strange prediction. There's an election coming up. They've got to get their manifestos
0: out, haven't they? Yeah, but I'm saying that they'll do it this week, not the week after.
1: Well, they all do it at the same time, then, do you reckon? Like,
0: one uh, of them does I don't it. think they'll do it the same day. No. Seems a bit unlikely. This is This is a results business, Dave. Mm. Like... I am the Mourinho of this of this podcast. It's not about winning pretty. It's about getting points on the board. If I get a point, I'm happy. So that is just about it for Sustainable Twelve, a hearty dozen, baker's dozen next week. Exciting,
1: yeah. Thank you, Ollie, for being well you Um, thank you listener for listening Um, thank you to everyone as always who keeps in touch with us on our twitter feed at the babble wagon our facebook page email at hello at sustain dot fish and just generally coming up to us and telling us that you like the podcast we've had quite a lot of people doing that it's very nice it makes my cockles warm and my heart sing so thank you very much
0: Mm, lovely and thank you very much to Dickie Moore of Bearcraft for his wonderful music, what we use at the beginning and end and throughout this podcast. Uh, that is just about it, I think, isn't it? It is. Thank you to Arabella as well for. Uh, well, sorry
1: we didn't have any Arabella last week, Arabella fans. Arabella was uncontactable because she was too busy uh, having all sorts of auditions for Broadway musicals and that sort of thing, probably. No, no, and sitting at A levels. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. We will be back next week. In the meantime, have a great time, Ollie.
0: And you too.
1: Enjoy your eggs. I shall. Not real eggs, of course. What come out of a chicken's bum? Because that is inhumane and awful I shall be having nice chocolate ones.
0: Mmm, yum, yum. Okay, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Also, I'm not the Mourinho of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I don't think you're the Mourinho of (laughs) any.